Hello and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Words of Welcome, the teaching ministry of Welcome Baptist Church, Heathfield. I remember hearing this story firsthand when I was a, a new believer, about 19 years old. It, it was set in the, the Soviet era in Romania. And a number of people who were forbidden from attending church were meeting secretly. They were praying together and worshipping God together and studying scripture together. When one day the door burst open and two soldiers carrying machine guns burst in. They cocked their, their guns and said, who here is a Christian? And they all put up their hands. I said, who's willing to die for their faith right now? few people stood up and they said, uh, get to the wall. And these believers slowly, hesitantly walked to the wall. To the ones who remained seated, the guards said, you can go, you can go. And those people rushed away. Roughly half of the church had stayed. The men waited, said, this is the last chance. You can run too if you want. The believers against the wall with tears down their eyes said, no, no, we stay. The name of Jesus will remain on our lips. At that point, these soldiers put down their machine guns and took off their uniforms and said, brothers, we needed to know who was genuine before we joined you. Now I find that a powerful story. It's always remained in my memory and in my heart that it is easy to look like a Christian. It is easy to talk the talk of being a Christian but it is so difficult, it is so hard to day in, day out, do the work of a Christian. Doing what Paul said with fear and trembling, we work out our salvation. We do those things that Jesus has called us to do. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 puts it like this, for we are God's handiwork, his, his masterpiece, his poem created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. So we are called not merely to profess with our lips, we are called not merely to hear the good news, but we are called to be those who are and do good news. So let's look at this passage. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one 
who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. J.C. Ryle, the old divine, says this, The Lord Jesus winds up the Sermon on the Mount by a passage of heart-piercing application. He turns from false prophets to false professors, from unsound teachers to unsound hearers. Another old divine called Tasker says this, It is not only false teachers who make the narrow way difficult to find and still harder to tread. A person may also be grievously self-deceived. Wow. Jesus calls us in this summing up of the Sermon on the Mount to an uncompromising commitment of mind, will, heart, and life to his teaching, to obey his teaching, to be Christ-like in the way that they live and walk in all that they do. He warns us of two frightening possibilities. The possibility of just being someone who, who talks a good walk, someone who merely professes. And on the other hand, of being someone who, who just hears and knows about, but doesn't put any of that knowledge, any of that hearing to use. And he warns those who may just be words only or thoughts only, that there is an eternity for them that is without Christ. Depart from me, I never knew you. Yes, we are saved by grace. Yes, all the work of Jesus, none of our work. None of our good works count towards our salvation on the cross. Not one. It was his work alone that saves us. His work on the cross. We call that salvation. Salvation is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross with the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit together. A a, a Trinitarian act of rescuing us from death 
and placing us in his kingdom, in life. That's his work. However, the next stage after salvation is sanctification. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit within us, but not him alone. We cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit within us. We are able in this mysterious freedom to quench the work of the Holy Spirit within us, to harden our hearts to the work of the Holy Spirit, to act in disobedience, to snuff out his still small voice. And Jesus here is pleading with his listeners to not do that. So in verses 21 to 23, he talks to those who have a mere verbal confession. That's all they have. Not everyone, he says, who says to me, says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's important to see here, Jesus is talking about those who say, Lord, Lord. Salvation is not about mere words. Our final destiny will not be settled on words we say today or words we say when we finally meet him face to face. Our salvation is based on more than just words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Now, these words are incredibly polite. Lord, it's, a, uh, it's an acknowledgement that, that they are up there and we are down there, but it's, it's more than that. It's also incredibly orthodox. When Jesus rose from the grave and, and they called him Lord, they were equating him with God. The name of Yahweh in the Old Testament is again and again and again, Lord, the Lord's my shepherd. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. So when they called him Lord, they knew what they were doing. And they were equating divinity with Jesus. So they're being polite, they're being orthodox, they're being passionate. Lord, Lord, this building of the word, these two words together, expresses a fervency, a, a desire, a love. That's why when Jesus said to Martha, 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 words of endearment and love, and it's public. They've been doing this on, on street corners. We prophesied your name. We cast out demons and did mighty works in your name. Not only is it public, but it's pretty spectacular. And Jesus says, I will declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
I never knew you. Even here, Jesus is making the point. It's about words. I declare, that word declare, homologeo. It's the word that is most often translated confess. I will confess to you. In fact, your NIV may say confess. The ESV translates it as declare, homologeo. I will say again. That's what that means. Homo, same thing. I will say the same thing. Homologeo, I say the same thing. This is all about words and words not put into practice. When we confess our sins to God, that's what we're doing. We're saying again, we're agreeing with God that what we have done is wrong. We, we may confess our impatience or our anger or our lust. And when we do, we are saying, Lord, you are right. I agree with you. I have sinned. I have been lustful. And I turn away from it. I repent. So, so Jesus says, I will, homologeo, I will say again. I will say the same thing. Your words aren't enough. I never knew you. They say Lord, but they did not know him as Lord. These were words without worship, lips without lifestyle, profession without reality, talk without truth. I never knew you. I never knew you. How sombering. How painful. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 puts it this way. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Can you hear the voice of Jesus saying to you, you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say. John Stott writes this, we who claim to be Christians in our day have made a profession of faith in Jesus privately, in conversion and publicly in baptism or confirmation. We appear to honor Jesus by referring to him as the Lord or our Lord. We recite the creed in church and sing hymns expressive of devotion to Christ. We even exercise a variety of ministries in his name. But he is not impressed by our pious and orthodox words. He still asks for evidence of our sincerity in good works of obedience. I remember a phrase from when I was much younger that said, if you were on trial, if you were in court accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's a good and proper question for us to ask ourselves today. Is there enough evidence 
Has my faith in Jesus Christ, has my verbal profession of Jesus as Lord worked its way into how I live? If it hasn't, the chances are that it is merely words and not life. But let's go on because Jesus isn't finished in this application that he's giving us. He, he goes on. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He's going to contrast those who, who hear a thing and do a thing with those who hear a thing and don't do a thing. Those who hear and do, and those who hear and don't do. Verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Jim Packer said there is a vast difference between knowing about someone and knowing them. Knowing them intimately. Knowing them, how they react, how they are, watching them, being with them, talking with them. There is a world of difference from knowing about God to knowing God. Knowing the peace that he brings, the, the comfort he brings in trial, the hope that he brings, that this life is not all there is, that there is hope and there is hope everlasting. There is so much power in the name of Jesus. There is so much hope in the name of Jesus. There is joy in the name of Jesus. There is peace in the name of Jesus. And there is a world of difference between knowing about that and knowing that. And so these hearers, they, they know Jesus and they hear. And the only difference between them is whether they put it into practice or don't. Now, when I think of this story, uh, I, I have a mental image. I have a mental image of, of a lovely sandy beach and, and then some cliffs and a rocky part on top of the cliffs. And in my mind's eye, I see that the, the, the wise person has built their house at the top of the cliff. And there he is on the rock. And then I see the foolish person and I, and I feel dreadfully sorry for them because they've built their house where I'd want my house, on the sand, on the seashore, looking out over the sea. I mean, we've all seen death in paradise. Who wouldn't want to live on the beach? Open the curtains in the morning to the lovely rolling sea. I felt quite sorry. But that is not what Jesus is talking about. It's not about location, beach, cliff. It's about the depth of the foundation, not location, foundation that is important. And so the, the foolish person has built their house on the sandy top soil. The wise person 
has built down into the rock, which quite frankly is hard work. It would be much easier to put a house just straight up with no foundation on the sandy topsoil. But the wise person has done the work. They've dug down. They've dug deep. And their foundations go deep. Jesus says, someone who hears my word and does it is the person whose foundations go deep. It may be hard. It may be messy. You might get your hands dirty, but they're wise. The people who hear my words and don't put them into action may have a lovely looking house. It may be even more lovely looking than the house next to it. But when the storm comes, when the trial comes, when the winds blow, when the difficulties arise, or when the Son of Man returns, it will not stand. It will fall, and Jesus says, terrible, heartbreaking, painful is the falling, the ruin, the sadness. It's heartbreaking. Your life, I once heard someone say, is a cathedral of choices. Just as a cathedral may have taken years and years and years to build with craftsmen uh, chiseling away at stone, mason dressing the stone, uh, carpenters building the, uh, or carving or, or sawing the beams. Each one a choice. So your life is like that. You are building your life through day-to-day choices. Small choices you make today. Choices for God or against God. Determine the shape of this building. John Stott again says this. In applying this teaching of those who just speak, or those who just listen, in applying this teaching to ourselves, we need to consider that the Bible is a dangerous book to read and that the church is a dangerous society to join. For in reading the Bible, we hear the words of Christ and in joining the church, we say we believe in Christ. As a result, we belong to the company, the same company described by Jesus as both hearing his teaching and calling him Lord. Our membership, therefore, lays upon us the serious responsibility of ensuring that we know and what we say is translated into what we do. So what about us? Well, you are saved by God alone, by believing in Jesus, believing that he lived, he died, he rose again. You are saved by that. But throughout the Bible, throughout Jesus's ministry, throughout the ministry of the disciples, there was a call not just to believe, but to repent and believe. 
And not just to, to believe, but to cry out to the Lord. Not merely a saviour, but a Lord and saviour. A Lord who would dictate the direction of our life, who would dictate the choices that we would make. A Lord who, if we were in a, a, a secret meeting in Romania in the Soviet era, a Lord that we would be willing, even with tears in our eyes, to stand and declare, even if it meant dying, a Lord. I, I, I've been in ministry now 20 Five years, 25 years actually this month. And I'm sad that so much of my preaching, because I've been preaching in affluent areas and good areas most of my life, though there was a great deal of deprivation in Plymouth and there's deprivation everywhere. But, but I'm grieved myself that so much of my preaching has been a bit like this. You, you, you've got a house, you've got a car, you've got a mobile, you might have a family, but you're still missing something. Now, that's all true. I'm saying, please, your heart has been created with eternity in it. You are missing something of so much value. Turn to Jesus. That's been my, my preaching. And, and maybe there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm grieved. Because when I read this, what I see is your house is nothing. Jesus isn't the cherry on top of a lovely dessert. He's not the missing piece of the jigsaw that will put everything together. Without him, you have nothing. Your house is nothing. Your car is nothing. Your family is nothing compared to Jesus, compared to him. Unless Jesus is yours and you are his, you have nothing. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Welcome. For new episodes and more, please visit welcomebaptistchurch.uk.